This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Ryan Fisher, senior sports management student at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, we have a recorded interview with sports and entertainment travel event manager, Ryan Roberts, and we discuss his experience working in ticket sales at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to running logistics for sport and entertainment travel. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. I'm glad we worked this out and I look forward to talking. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. To begin, uh, I just want to ask you, like, how did you get into ticket sales and sales in general after school at Shrine? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of a lot of the students at Trine or you've a lot of you guys have heard that um, to really get into sports, everyone says you got to go into ticket sales and start there. So I mean, that's what I had in my head. Of my thoughts were. I think at the time I had big aspirations of becoming a general manager for a professional sports team and being in the, being an executive, being in the front office, all that fun stuff that everyone, everyone thinks. Um, but I was like, I in order for me to do this, I need to cut my teeth in, in ticket sales. So that's where I started. And then, I mean, I spent seven years doing ticket sales and it, it turned into uh, something I really enjoyed. I had a passion for, um, do, doing the sales process. It wasn't, it wasn't a stepping stone for me. It became a career and, uh, something I really enjoyed. I actually interviewed you, uh, freshman year for one of my freshman classes as well. Okay. Um, you told me about like a mentor you worked with or something, IMS. How did he like impact you? He was like, I don't know yeah. if he's a manager mm-hmm. or something that. Yeah. So he basically, set my foundation for everything that I, that I learned and everything I knew and things I still use today, just instilling the process to a lot of things we'll probably, we'll talk about here over the course of this interview is really, they all came from him just on learning, learning everything, the ins and outs of what I'm doing and put a good foundation on how to sell the product and sell the experience, things of that nature. So yeah, so he was, he was a integral role into what I do and, and where I'm at. I know you probably expected a question like this, but uh, how has COVID-19 affected your present job now? And uh, I don't know if it affected it at all while you were in at IMS still. I haven't been at IMS for like a year and a half or so. So no. So I was, I've been out of sales since the, the pandemic hit. Um, but in my current role, so current role, we coordinate travel for alumni and fans for colleges going to bowl games or just a football weekend, Kentucky Derby, big events like that. Um, basically, I haven't traveled since I got home from bowl games in January. So if, if I should have been traveling all fall a lot lot during the spring, a lot during the summer, and literally all fall, we were, were gone more weekends and we're home from September to January. And so I haven't been able to do any of that. Um, so it's really put a big hit on us, um, but it's allowed us to focus on 2020 event, 2021 events. Um, we've added some new events that um, 
we can add and provide our partners with new opportunities just for them. So for alumni that, so they can travel and for us to generate new streams of revenue and um, just add to our catalog of offerings. So, so it's really, it's been a way for us to kind of look at what we have and how we can improve, but it's also been a, a big pain because we haven't been able to do what we're supposed to do or what we, what we're, what we get paid to do. Uh, what kind of advice would you give going into sports management and graduating in the spring? How should I handle uh, everything going on in today's world? Two things, be prepared to work really hard. It's a long grind, especially if you're getting into sales and just become a sponge. You need to learn everything, anything and everything that you can learn, the more you can know um, because your salesman, especially your ticket salesman, you're going to receive questions about everything that goes on at the, with the team, with the facility, with the seats, everything. You need to know everything. So soak up all that knowledge. Um, and then also you're young. How are you? 22? Uh, 21, 21, no, 22 years old. You're young in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I'm only 31, so I'm not, I'm not old by any means, but you're young, take risks. You're, you can, you're not going to put yourself into a situation where you will not be able to recover from it career wise. Um, so take risks. If it's something that you think you might have interest an interest in doing, but it's, Oh, I got to move halfway across the country. Do it. Who cares? You, you might open your, I mean, if there's nothing tying you to where you live currently, I mean, go for it. Take a jump because who knows what doors that's going to open for you. What that, what's that, what that's going to lead to down the road um, and who you might meet. Who knows? I mean, you might meet someone to who is your career, um, a new mentor for you. And they take you under your wing, teach you everything that you never thought you even knew would want to learn and things like that. So, so don't be afraid. Take your risks. Have fun. Enjoy it. It's sports. You're working in sports. Sports are fun. Before you joined, Professor Pod actually shared with me that you worked with Ross Lacrosse organization or program. Uh, was that in between the job you're at now and IMS? Yeah, yeah. So I left IMS in 2018, um, take the job down in Atlanta for Georgia Swarm. They're a professional indoor lacrosse team playing the National Lacrosse League. Um, I knew nothing about lacrosse. I knew nothing about the league. I knew nothing about the team. It was really some outside contributing factors that led me to Georgia. Um, but I thought it was a cool opportunity. And the indoor lacrosse game is a very unique experience. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really cool, really cool experience that I, that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I was with them for a season and then Outside those same outside factors that brought me to Atlanta, um, brought me back home, back to Indiana. So then now I'm with back in Indianapolis, uh, with sports entertainment travel. What's a uh, most important thing in sales? Is it selling the experience that the fan will have, uh, selling the team, or a mixture of both? I think a lot of it depends on your product of what you're selling. Okay. So. I'll just use my history as examples. So with the working at IMS, the Indianapolis 500, that event sells itself. It's world's largest single day sporting event. It's, it's going to sound bad when I say this, but it's not a hard sell. If in, in similar ways, like 
I wish I would have been on the sales team for the Golden State Warriors the last five years. Well, not this last year, but the years before that, just because mm-hmm. the team was so well. The team sold themselves. That team sold tickets. Indianapolis 500, the race, the experience of the race sold itself. When I was in Georgia with the Swarm, not a whole lot of people, not really people, very many people knew lacrosse. They didn't know, not very many people in Atlanta knew the Georgia Swarm. So you have to kind of come up with a unique way and the team did an incredible job of it of creating a unique atmosphere mm-hmm. and a unique experience for people that once you get them out there they typically came back so you just have to that at that point we're selling an experience and then make them have an emotional connection on the experience they had a good time there and then you worked on them learning the game of lacrosse so it's basically situation to situation kind of thing. Correct. There's, yeah, there's not a there's not a blanket answer that you could take and use it everywhere. You kind of have to evaluate your current situation. What kind of responsibilities do you have in your new job in sport and entertainment travel? Yeah, so sports entertainment travel. So I'm, I'm technically not in sales anymore. I'm more in operations. So we'll have a trip. We'll use um, this trip I'm working on right now. It's a um, Hall of Fame baseball tour trip. So it's a five night trip that is starting in New York City. Going to go to Cooperstown to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And then the trip will end in Boston. So from there, five nights, first night, we're going to a Yankees game. Next morning, we're going to tour Yankee Stadium. Then we take a bus to Cooperstown. Then we'll fall, we'll do, all, do some dinners in there, tour the Baseball Hall of Fame, create a unique experience for them at the Hall of Fame. And then we'll be in Cooperstown for two days. And then the last two days we'll be in Boston and we'll do very similar like we did in New York Red Sox game tour Fenway Park. Um, we're also going to tour Harvard Square and just learn some history about Harvard. So it's a, it's a historical tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so that trip we're offering, it's, it's offered up so right now. We have eight partner schools uh, on the trip and they'll take that to their alumni base where they can sign up and on that tour. So Basically, I've built the entire thing, um, choosing hotels in all three locations, hotels or resorts. Um, I'm working with the teams to coordinate um, tours, coordinate getting group tickets, um, working them with bus companies. If we're doing a dinner in a city, if it's are we doing the dinner at the resort? If we are, then you got to work with someone else throughout the hotel. Or if we're going to a... Uh, a restaurant setting up with the restaurant. So it's, it's basically, I'm coordinating everything behind the scenes and then trip's going to be in April, end of April. So I'll a couple of days before day before I'll go um, meet everyone, New York city, get everything set up and then I'll walk them through the entire, the entire trip while they're there. Um, Just making sure really, I'm just at that point on property, I'm just a glorified babysitter just making sure everyone gets where they need to be, um, answering questions, solving problems, making sure everything that I have set up all these months leading up to this event, this tour, making sure they all run smoothly. So the people who are paying um, big bucks to go on these trips, so that way they have a memorable experience. They get something because all my trips, I tried to set up something that, that you can't just go do yourself. You can't just say, hey, mom, dad, girlfriend, wife, down the road, whatever. Let's go to 
let's go do this thing and we can all do all this together. I don't want them to be able to mimic a trip like that. I want to be able to put something memorable for them like that. Like what kind of techniques did you use when you were selling tickets and event passes, I guess, for AMS? Um, No one knew more about what I was selling than I did. Um, That was one thing at IMS. I kind of got expedited just because when I started, I started IMS in May. And if you know anything about Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Indianapolis 500 into May. So um, you kind of, I kind of jumped in and got thrown into the fire. Typically if someone started, we liked having them start in January. If they started, if someone started in January, you spent all of January, all of February. You, it was, it was six, eight week, four to six weeks of just learning and making sure you learn the ins and outs of every event, every ticket, knowing all the grandstands, just knowing all this information. That way, when I'm on the phone with someone, calling someone, they ask me these questions that I don't sound uninformed, unintelligent on them. So I, I'm, so that's kind of what I pride myself on. Um, I was not to sound cocky about it, but like there's probably maybe one or two three people at most in the entire company that knew the ins and outs of all of the events more mm-hmm. than I did um, or even on par with what I did. So, so that's what I took that knowledge of. That was the most important thing for me. Um, and then I was also, I was, I would be upfront with all the people with, with everyone. I wouldn't try to nickel and dime someone out of something so I got more commission or I made a bigger sale because it, it wasn't involved. The first four and a half years I worked there, we didn't get commission off our sales. So it kind of made me focus on the customer. So, I mean, I, I just focused on the customers and I figured out what they wanted, what they were looking for, if they had going off of, if they'd been there before their past experiences, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. And then if I needed to change anything to the seats for where they were going i would go from there and then i i would do whatever fit the best what they were looking for there was a lot of times i could have sold someone in a grandstand where the ticket price may have been 15 20 more probably could talk them into it but overall it wouldn't have fit what they were looking for so i didn't i I sold them a less expensive ticket and everyone had a great time Mm -hmm. sale was made we're there do you think that that would be the most satisfying part of your experience in ticket sales, just kind of fitting everybody with the right uh, ticket and helping everyone as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we sound like, like I said earlier, sports is fun. Selling sports is fun. I'm not selling, not selling insurance, not selling someone, not trying to go door to door and get someone to buy new windows or a new roof. Um, it's all fun. These people don't have to, it's all expendable income. So mm-hmm it's they're going they're coming to the Indianapolis 500 because they enjoy it they're going to the Brickyard 400 because they enjoy the experience so um just being able to connect make the connections for people to to bring their go back out they come out every year with their family so just make that connection be able to provide that connection for them yeah that was by far the most satisfying part how did you build your network your personal social network for everybody and did you have steps to that or yeah everyone's it's kind of different um different you'll find out different 
have no no team, no facility will do it the same. It's kind of just depends on what the goals are of the of the company there. We didn't do a lot, a lot of prospecting for at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But we, we would do some. So I mean a lot of a lot of what we called on was former customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just going from there. And then I mean when we would do prospecting it's it's looking up local companies in the area. Um, it's looking up top companies to work for, top companies in your market, go off employee size, find out what are these big companies doing that set them apart. And then working, when I worked in Atlanta for the Swarm, there's millions and millions, I shouldn't say millions, but there's hundreds of com- hundreds and thousands of companies down there. Mm-hmm. So you have to be a little bit more targeted. So what are what's your target market? Oh, lacrosse, okay. Lacrosse is becoming big in the in like high school that the high school and youth level in Georgia. So what do we do? We targeted every high school in Georgia, north of Atlanta. We targeted all the schools, all the school corporations, all the youth groups, just to get those kids out. We would do. We had a partnership with Jimmy John, so we would folks could enter to win a free Jimmy John's lunch, and basically all that was doing was we were gaining. We were building a network that way by people signing up for that. We would do a little bit of investigative research on the company and then have a phone call with these people, learn more about their company, learn more about what they do, select a winner. We would bring them a Jimmy John's lunch. While we were there, what are we doing? We're collecting leads. We're collecting data that way. Mm -hmm. Then you can send out. Then you take you take gift bags, give away free tickets, give away some things here and there, and then you're building a base um, and then just building it that way. So you have to be a little bit more unique depending on, on the, what the, the, the event, the game, the team, whatever that you're, you're selling. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of different, different ways you can go about it. Uh, did you have any like personal things that you did to like prepare yourself before you went into a sale, take a deep breath before you picked up the phone or something. No. I mean, at first people get nervous making sales calls. Um, it's, it's not second nature calling people. People get nervous talking to people that they don't know. It's, it's not comfortable, but after a while it's, it's just nine, it's nine numbers on, on an, on a, on a keypad at, at some point. So I mean, you, you get to that. I mean, you, you want to go, you want to be as prepared as possible, mm-hmm. whether you're calling, if you're calling a former customer, having their, having a basic understanding of where they've sat before, what they've came to before. If you're calling a company, know a little bit about the company. So you're not sounding completely clueless. So you have an idea so you can talk smart on that call. But then again, at the end of the day, you have to dial the phone anyways. So you mm-hmm. have to walk that fine line of being over-prepared or just picking up the phone and dialing the number. Because it, it comes down to that. Some people, there's some people, they don't care. They just, they, the only thing they want you to do is dialing the phones. They don't care how much you know beforehand. That they, Their end goal is you calling and connecting with as many people. They do a volume, it's a volume game for them. And right, wrong, and different, they all work. Um, but I just tried, I would try, I would try to walk a fine line. And as you're going, you become more and more efficient into mm-hmm. that process to where 
I can leave a voicemail while pulling up another, another lead and beginning that research process, get my voicemail done. And by the time I'm ready to start dialing again, I have a good snapshot of what I need for that next, next call. Is effective communication, is that the most important part of the job? That's the most important part of life, effective communication. Um, it drives, I mean, it drives everything. Um, being, up, I mean, everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what's going on. There's, it's clear. If your communication's clear, then there's no, there's no gray areas. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone's getting what they've wanted out of every, you're getting what you want out of the sale and the customer's getting what they want in result wise. So yeah, communication is key in everything in life. What else you got for me? What are you looking? You're graduating in May? Yep. What you said? Yeah, I graduate in May. Graduate in May. What yeah. do you want to do? I, I like statistics and looking at what works and what doesn't kind of thing. And, yeah. um, and analytical data is, it's, it's becoming huge and it's a huge as from what I've learned. And so my, my old boss at IMS, he kind of, he grew from being the group sales manager to, he grew out of that to looking into the sales analytics and it ended up as marketing dollars become less and less because everyone's trying to get, they're trying, you're trying to maximize your marketing dollars. Um, So the sales analytics is important. So what was he able to do? He was able to integrate, use software to integrate every every ticket sale, every customer, find out where they're from, because then you can pinpoint them on across the map, across the country, across the yeah. globe, um, and then you can see, okay, so this min, this percentage of people for this event, they're from this area. Maybe we should spend a marketing dollars here. Or you can get surprised. Oh, we have this many thousands of fans in this, in this market that we don't reach out to. We don't market to actively. Okay. We'll throw some marketing dollars this way, or we're throwing marketing dollars in this market and there's no return on it. Maybe we pull it back or we don't market in that market anymore. So I think that's huge. I mean, that sales analytics and statistics thing that, that you're interested in, if that's what you're interested, even if that's what you're interested in, I mean, you can go statistically, statistics any any which way um but it's definitely very important never really been the greatest at talking and in front of people and stuff but Mm -hmm. i've always been able to like look at like data and stuff Mm -hmm. and figure out like this is where the problem was or this is this is where need uh, more attention is needed kind of stuff like that Mm -hmm. be uncomfortable put yourself keep putting yourself in uncomfortable situations if in talking to people because regardless what what you work and you're going to have to communicate with people on a daily basis. We can't, your, your dream of being locked in a room, letting you look at numbers forever. That's not, that's never going to happen. So, so. no, I don't, I don't think I would like it to that, <laughs> that extreme. <laughs> for sure. For sure. No, but, but yeah, put yourself in awkward, awkward situations because there's only one way to make it less awkward. And it's just yeah. re- repetition. It's just the same as making sales calls. The only thing that, and you don't, you don't learn how much you've learned until you've seen other people struggle like you do in the start. I mean, that's probably where I grew the most at IMS is because I started IMS seasonally and then it rolled into a part-time and then a full-time position. And then as a full-time employee, seeing other seasonal, seasonal reps come in and struggle like I struggled and you realize, Oh wow, 
I've, I've learned a lot and you're passing that knowledge off onto other folks. That's when you, that's when you really learn a lot about yourself. So yeah, you got to start somewhere. So repetition, man, repetition. Thank you for joining me. Uh No, it was great. I'm glad I could hop on here and put, Hey, you gave me 45 minutes of day. I don't have to worry about figuring out what I'm going to do with. So no, let me, let me know if there's anything else I can help you out with down the road or mm-hmm. if, if there's anything else you guys need as a, as a department, you personally, let me know. I'm here. Let me be a sounding board to you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Not a problem. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our next episode on November 21st when Tri University senior sport management student Dylan Barron interviews Andy Myers from the Detroit Pistons. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.